Hello again to everyone. We are thankful for another opportunity to study. Thankful for you taking the time to listen. We come today, we're still in 2 Kings chapter number 5. Got down to verse number 8 last time. And we're looking at this account of Naaman the Syrian, the captain of the host of Syria. And last time we saw how that the word of God was able to reach this man that was a leper down in his own country and in his own house, really, through this little maid, this little girl. And God has wrought such a work in his heart. And it's believed, the word of this little girl is believed by not just the second in command, but by the king. And they've sent Naaman now to Israel. And Naaman, by the common thinking of man, he comes down to the king of Israel and says, look, He's got a letter from the king that says, I've sent my servant down that you might heal him of his leprosy. And the king of Israel, who does not believe in the God of Israel, nor his prophet Elisha, rends his clothes and says he's come to start a war. But we come to verse 8. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Elisha now has heard the goings-on in the king's house. I don't know how much time had passed, but there must have been somebody there in the king's house. And don't think that that's strange. Remember when Ahab and Jezebel were destroying all of the prophets of God that they could get a hold of, that that man Obadiah, who was the governor of their house, was trying to hide them and keep them safe. That even in, in Ahab and Jezebel's house, there was a man that believed in God. God has people like that right in the place that they're supposed to be. As, as insignificant as it may look through Scripture, God's using these people to accomplish His purpose. And so God's got a man in the king's court that sees this go on, that sees the king to rend his clothes and say, what am I going to do here? And word comes back to the man of God. And Elisha sends to the king and says, why are you rending your clothes? See, the king had no faith in the power of God that rested on Elisha. Though he had been witness to all of these mighty works and he had seen how that God had wrought through Elisha and through his predecessor Elijah, all of this, though it be so well known, he's not going to send him to Elisha. Not, don't even look like that he's thought about it. But Elisha sends to him and says, Don't rend your clothes. Why would you do this? Send him to me, and it's going to be known that there's a prophet in Israel. See, all of this is for the glory of God. God's going to do this work, and you know what's going to be known? Naaman's going to go back home. And that problem that was so well known of him, though he's such a good man and a mighty man and a, a valorous man and a brave man and a noble man, and a powerful man, though he be all of these things, that leprosy, that's what he was known for. The man's a leper. But see, this man's going to go home clean. And he's going to go back to Syria and say, 
say to the king, look what happened. All of those spots are gone and my flesh, it's like a baby's flesh and I'm, I'm no longer plagued by this leprosy. There is a God down there that done a mighty work in me. He's going to carry the word back to Syria and God's going to be glorified in every bit of it. And so he shall know. I tell you, it's without question. When God does a work in the heart and in the life of a man, they know that God has done it. Though it may be unexplainable with words, though we may not be able to sufficiently describe what God has truly done for us in bringing us out of darkness. Down in the depths of our heart, I tell you what we know, we know that Jesus Christ the Son of God gave His life, resurrected, and is on the right hand of God by the mighty work that He's done in us through the Spirit. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So now Naaman, Naaman's just at the, at the request of those there. He's, he's come seeking, though in... In Syria, he's got authority and power. Though in the world we may have authority and power, when it comes to the things of God, we come as a beggar. We come as, and, and we do as we're told. We do as we're commanded. God is the authority in this kingdom, not man. And so man, man would like to be saved. I'd like to be saved by just believing. Or I'd like to be saved by, by just doing enough good. I'd like for you to tell me how good and noble that I am. I'm not going to be a beggar. Man's not going to be a beggar. Absolutely not. But boy, when, when God gets that leprosy and it's in our sight and it's in our mind, we'll become a beggar because we've got this sin to get rid of and we've got no authority to get rid of it. So we come to God and we come just like this. We come and stand at the door. And we're there knocking. We're requesting the help of God. See, when God draws, he, he in no wise casts out. Elisha called for Naaman to come down to where he was. And Naaman's come, and he's standing at the door. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Simple. A simple message that was given here. You come, you wash, and you're clean. This work can be done that simple. And now you think about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about how simple that, that message is. I, I believe it just as Isaiah the prophet wrote. I believe it's so simple that a, a wayfaring fool could not err therein. That it's not possible for a wayfaring fool to mess up and misunderstand. That Jesus Christ has come and gave his life as payment for our sins and he's lived righteously, uh, that righteousness might be imputed and if I'll come and entrust him, then I can be saved. 
But look at how Naaman reacts. And tell me this is not how man reacts to the good news of the gospel. Here's the one thing that the man wanted, to be clean of his leprosy. And here is some good news. Naaman, you can be clean if you'll wash. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So Naaman in his mind, he's got this figured out that it's going to be some big magician show. No doubt that's that's what they were used to back in Syria. They were used to these big displays and shows of entertainment, these magic tricks being performed. And in his mind, that's how he pictured it happening. And you know, of a truth, in a lot of ways that still goes on today, there uh, maybe it's died down some in the day we're in, but faith healers all back through the history, it's been a big show and a big work. And they've robbed many a people, a lot of money, by their show and by their entertainment. But the truth is there's, there's no power in that. It's not real. And so the way that he's picturing this happen, though that, that may be what happens back in Syria, he knows that what they do back in Syria is not able to heal him. But he's angry because it didn't go the way he thought it would. And man is very much the same way towards the gospel. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He's not just a little mad. He's not just miffed. He's raging. And so first of all, the prophet didn't come out and make a big show of it. And second of all, he's told me to go and wash in Jordan. Which, by the way, Jordan is a nasty river, known to be nasty. Uh, even a lot of the sewer from Jerusalem runs in it. Now, I don't know whether they're upstream or downstream from Jerusalem here. But it's certainly not a place that you're going to think about getting cleaned. You know, you, you think about cleaning. And if, if you're dirty and you're going to take a bath or you're going to give the kids a bath, you don't put them in, in muddy water or in a mud hole, but you get clean water into the tub. And if you're going to wash the dishes, you don't put the dishes in, in greasy and filthy water, but you want to put them in clean water. And so when, when you want something to be clean, you got to use clean water. Well, here he said, look, you can be cleansed if you'll go down to the dirty water and wash. How is it possible to go and wash in dirty water and be clean? See, Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, they may have been, they may have flowed uh, crystal clear. I'm sure we've all seen a, a creek or a river 
that flows so clear, you can see every rock and every fish and everything all the way to the bottom. And then we've seen those bigger rivers that, of a truth, they're, they're never clear. Even at its clearest, you can't see the bottom. And so that's what we've got here. He's saying you can go wash in the dirty Jordan. And Naaman says, wait a minute, it's filthy water. There's a lot cleaner water back home. Why, why can't I wash in those? And so his response to the word of the prophet is one of anger. And he's raging. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what you've told me to do. And that is, that is man's natural response to the gospel. But thank God that there's some reason, there's a voice of reason here. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. If he had have told you to climb to the mountain, you would have clung to the mountain with glory and with honor. But see, there, there is the message of the gospel. The glory is being taken from me, and I'm being humbled. And it's God that's being gloried. If it was by giving a certain amount of money, if it was by doing enough good that we were saved, see, there would be glory reserved for me because... I've clung to the mountaintop. I've given X amount of dollars. I've done this many good works. I've been this faithful to the church. And it's because I've done this that now I'm cleansed. That's not the way God works. God works and the salvation and the plan that, that He has brought to pass, it humbles me and glorifies him. And so if if he would have asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it because, because he's valorous and he's mighty and he's powerful. And I'm I'm just too good to go down to that dirty Jordan and wash myself in that. But they're reasoning and saying if you would have done some great thing, why, why wouldn't you do this little simple thing? See, Naaman, there's, there's no glory in it for you, but it's in this word of God that you can be clean. And you know, you think about this now. Had Naaman went and washed seven times in Jordan, before he received the word of God, he, would have, he wouldn't have been clean. See, what cleans is that obedience and submission to the Word of God. So we can come to the altar ten bazillion times in our life. But until the Word of God would bid you to come to the altar, you're not going to get up clean. It's not the action of it that makes it happen, but it's the submission to the call of God that makes it happen. I think a lot of times that there's a great error there that we just want people to come to the altar 
and they come and they wash and they get up. But God's not ordered them to come. God's not given the, the direction by the Spirit. And when they come out of the water, they're just as dirty as they were before. It's God that cleanses and does the work. And so God has said, go wash. He's angry and said, I'm not going to wash because I wasn't exalted by some great show in the flesh and because he's asked me to go to dirty water and get clean. I'm just not going to do it. And yet God says, these servants say, why don't you just wash and be clean? And so God, by the Spirit, His Spirit works in this way to bring us to Christ. And then went He down and dipped Himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And His flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and He was clean. And so by the, the bidding of these servants, Naaman says, okay, I'll do it. And he, he comes, then went he down. So see, Naaman is actively coming down. He's being humbled by the word of God. And the word of God, if we're going to come to Christ, we must be humbled to do so. We're going to come down off of our nobility we're going to come down off of our goodness. We're going to come down off of our, our highness. And we're going to humble ourselves in obedience to the word of God. That's how man comes to God in Jesus Christ. And there is no other way for man to come to God in Jesus Christ but by coming down. Because remember, we're not in authority here. We're, we're the beggar. We're the one coming and, and seeking after his help. So when God says, this is your help, we have to obey that in order to receive that help and that mercy and that goodness. So Naaman comes down and we also must come down. But see, it's not the nature of man to come down. That rich young ruler in Jesus' day, he went away sorrowful. Because what God asked him to do was just too much. And Jesus says these words, how hardly shall a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. It's like a camel through the eye of a needle. You know what it is? It's, it's absolutely impossible. Now I've heard this and, and possibly you have too that a camel through the eye of a needle was in reference to at night when the main gates of the cities were closed. They had a little side gate that was small and the camel had to take everything off and get down. But that's, that's not what he's talking about there. Because he said this is impossible with man. This is not something that man can do. There's, there's no way that you can take that needle and get that camel to go through the eye of that needle. It's impossible. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. So how's a rich man going to be born again? Only by the power 
of God. Because it is an impossible work. The persuasion, the drawing, and the humbling. Man's not going to do that naturally. Man is going to hold his head high and hold on to his goodness. But boy, when God begins to work, then went he down. And what's he going to do? He's going to dip seven times just exactly like Elisha said to do. Do you think that that's important? It's important. It must be done just exactly as God prescribes and as God said. Well, I'm not going to come to the church. I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to humble. I'm not going to admit my sin. I'm not going to look. Well, friends, if we don't come to God the way God prescribed, then we're not coming and we're not going to be cleansed. We must come as God draws and as God calls. And dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. I'm going to do what he said. I'm just going to do what he said to do. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. Now I've thought about this in the past. And you just, you go back and you try to put yourself either there watching him wash or you just, you be him for just a minute. And you've got these places. Truly, you've got a death sentence. And you've got these places of leprosy and you go down one time and you wash. And the second time and the third time. And you know, every time he dips, he's looking. Can't you see that? That he's, he's looking at those places on his arms or his legs or his hands. He's feeling maybe of a place on his head and it's still there. But put yourself there that as he comes out of the water the seventh time and he looks and there's not a single spot on him and his skin is like the skin of a, a little child, supple and soft and the disease is gone. What do you think he felt like then? As he come up out of the water and all of this that, that had troubled him, all of this that had, that had marred his life, all of this leprosy and this disease that was incurable and that was a death sentence, as he come up and looked and his skin was clean, do you reckon there was some rejoicing that went on there? My God, I, I can see him running out of the water, glorifying God and thankful and showing his servants, look, all of those places are gone, I'm cleansed, I'm pure. The, the word of God and the prophet of God has brought to pass this impossible work and would you look at me, I'm clean now. There's no glory for the river. There's no glory for the man Naaman. But there's only glory for the work of God. And God's exalted by what's done. Here's a man that's clean. And not just clean, but his skin has even, 
the aging that's been happening to his skin as, as he naturally grows old. It's gone. And his skin looks like the skin of a babe. And there's those servants there and they're amazed at what purity that God has wrought. And Naaman is so thankful and he's, he's praising. Can't you hear the praise that he has on his mouth for God because I once was a leper and now he has cleansed me by his power. That's what happens in them that are saved. They come to God. God's cleansed them. And immediately there's praise on their lips. This guilt. This fear of judgment. This wrath of God that abode on them. The sin and the burden of sin that they were under is now gone. It's been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And they come up out of the altar by the Spirit of God with a word of thanks under the God that delivered them. I'm clean now. I've seen a lot of times, I've seen people get up out of the altar and the truth is they're not thankful. That joy of, of being cleansed is not truly there. And the witness of the Spirit is gone. I'm telling you, that's not one that's been cleaned. But when one goes down a leper and comes up clean, there'll be glory under the God that wrought this work. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore... I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And so, here Naaman has come, and there is a new recognition that God is God, and there is no other. Because he's delivered me, from this condition and no other God has been able to do that. And so naturally he is he's grateful. He's got great gratitude in his heart for this great work that had been done for him. And what he wants to do is he'd like to give a gift to the man of God. Look, Elisha, I, I want you to take some of this silver, this gold. I want you to take this blessing from me because I'm so thankful for the work that God done. But the man of God refused. Now, you might think, well, that's hateful or that's mean. But you know, the, the real message is here, Naaman's going to take back all of his gold and silver and his garments. And the king of Syria is going to look and say, well, you've brought everything back. Yes, it, it wasn't something that I bought. It wasn't something that I earned or that I merited. He didn't look on my gold and that was the reason he done it. But it was purely because he was merciful and gracious with me. See, he's not going to buy it. And even though he didn't buy it, and Naaman knew that he didn't buy it, 
And he's just wanting to say, I, I want to thank you with this. It's refused. So that nobody back in Syria can say, well, you went down there and bought that cleansing. Absolutely not. We're not going to buy or coerce God to do anything by our will. It's all done by his will. And so as Abraham, after he rescued the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, they wanted to give him blessing and give him some of the spoil for his deliverance and he refused it and said, I, I don't want to take this from you lest you say that we made Abraham rich and God not get the glory. Well, that's what's going on here. Elisha says, I, I don't want your gift to me. Not because I'm ungrateful or hateful, but I don't want people to say that you come down here and bought it. This was a work of the goodness of God and what you need to go home and say is God was good and merciful and kind and gracious to me and I did nothing to deserve that. Ain't that wonderful? And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of the earth. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Let me at least give you a couple mules, because through you has come this life-changing experience to me. See, it's, it's more than just a cleaning of the skin. It's more than just his leprosy's gone. But his life's going to be changed. I'll never burn a sacrifice or offering unto any other gods save the Lord God of heaven. You see, everything I've ever done before, my life has been changed. God has changed not just my skin, but he's changed the way I'm going to behave myself from now on. That's the way salvation works. Yes, the sin and the iniquity and the guilt is cleansed away, but the life is transformed also. I'm not going to serve my other gods anymore. In this thing, the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goes into the house of Remen to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Remen, when I bow down myself in the house of Remen, the Lord pardon thy servant, in this thing. So he knows now when he goes back home that the king is still going to serve this idol. And he says, look, I, I go in with the king and I bow myself down to help the king get down and I, I help him back up and he, he holds on to me. And in his mind now he already knows that he's going to have to do this. And he's confessing it. Look, when I go into the house of Remen, I'm not bowing down to worship an idol. I'm doing it because I'm a servant to the king and I'm at his command and I'm helping him. But know this, I'm not bowing down to worship that false god because I am now completely and totally given to the service of the Lord. Ain't it amazing? I mean... Naturally speaking, people ain't even going to give any thought to this. They justify it in their heart and in their mind. But he's wanting to confess it. Let it be known. 
Paul wrote in the New Testament to abstain from the very appearance of evil. He says, look, I, I don't even want to appear to be bowing down to this false god. And so he confesses that before it ever happens. Boy, people can act and live and do and, and treat God and the church however they want to and they've, they've got no obligation to either one. That's not a saved person. Naaman, he's going to have to do this and he doesn't like it and he doesn't want to do it but he's going to have to because his master says so. And he's wanting to confess it and say, look, I'm, I'm not doing any worship to any other God but the Lord God of Israel, the Jehovah God, the Yahweh God of Israel, the God. And so, he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. And so God himself, through the man of God, God says, I, I know your heart. See, that, that's used as an excuse in our day and in our time that, well, God knows my heart. An excuse that I can get away with sin, with failing God and with doing as I please. But see, here you can see the true meaning of God knows your heart. He says, I'm going to have to bow in this false God in the house of this false God, but know that I'm not worshiping him and that it's not my desire to worship him. And so the prophet says, go in peace. The Lord knows the intent and the thought of the heart. That ought to be a fearful thing to man. But sadly today it's used as an excuse for my sin. God does indeed know your heart. God knows the very intent of your heart. And that ought to be a fearful thing unto us. But God, that's where God was looking on the heart of Naaman. Naaman was now a cleansed man, inward and outward. And thank God for his work that cleansed us from our sin. I can remember going back to the day that God saved me. I remember how filthy that I was when I went down. And I can remember getting up a cleansed man. Thank God for his wondrous works. I pray the Lord would bless you mightily this week. We love you.